0: Hello and welcome to the For the Wind podcast. I'm Ted Berg. It's Friday. I'm joined on the line by Hamil Traveri. Hamil, how are you?
1: I'm great, Ted. How are you?
0: I'm doing well. We have some questions from the people, but I have a question for you first.
1: Uh-oh. All right. Let's do this.
0: Um, this week, I went into our New York City office, mm-hmm. where I don't always <laughs> go, and on my desk, There was a copy of some book (laughs) about eating less meat, and I'm wondering how that got there. (laughs)
1: You know, it would be like me to leave a very uh, (laughs) passive-aggressive reminder of your conspicuous meat consumption habit, Uh, but sadly it was not me. (laughs)
0: Alright, I think it may have just fallen off of Luke's desk. Luke's desk is is right across from mine, and he keeps so much stuff on his desk that he has no intention of ever using, that it all just (laughs) spills onto my desk.
1: And he also has half-eaten boxes of cereal.
0: Yeah, I've thrown out most of them because he's not (laughs) eating them anyway, and it grosses me out, but um, he does still have, like, there's, like, all sorts of random golf stuff spilling onto my desk all the time. Like, I'm trying to keep my space clear for my Play-Doh work, which you know about. (laughs) Yeah, Um, with your
1: artistic Play-Doh project. (laughs) I have a big,
0: I have a lot of Play-Doh at my desk, and sometimes I, I play with it, and, like, Luke's stuff sort of encroaches on my workspace, I would say.
1: Um so while I did not put the book there and I admire Luke for at least thinking that he was probably going to read that, uh I it, it was it was not me sadly.
0: All right. Um well, that's good.
1: No, but you know what though? I actually think it's something like you should take that as a sign and maybe like skim through it and uh, It's not
0: about not eating meat. It's a book about I, eating less
1: meat. Yes. Which is so, uh, Andrew Ference, who is an ex NHL player, but is just like a big figure in, um, just the NHL community in terms of being like socially active and like a real proponent of, uh, green living. We had a long conversation about it and he was just like, no, he's like, people make a mistake when they think that you know, to save the planet, we have to give up eating meat. He's like, if you could eat just, like, a fraction less than what we eat now, it would make a huge difference.
0: Yeah, I mean, I need... A
1: fraction.
0: Well, yeah, but you need everybody on board with that, and I feel like that's not going to happen. And so, like, while in many cases I am all about the greater good, in this particular case, it's like, unless everybody's like, hey, we all agree to stop eating so much meat in a way that will impact the planet... Then, like, I'm not going to be the one stepping back on meat consumption I- in vain.
1: You know, I, I I think that there are certain things, though, that we have all agreed to do, right? Like, uh, wear seatbelts because it is in your best interest, but also the best interest of just like society, right? But we we have agreed
0: to do it because they made it the law,
1: right? But I'm not well. I mean, you could make that the law,
0: right? And and if they made the and like look, like, I pay taxes, and, like, I gladly pay taxes because, I mean, I I complain about it when it happens, but I know that my taxes pay for the roads and the parks and the various things I use. Um, So I get that, and if they were like, okay, like, this is, believe it, it's for the greater good, you gotta limit your meat consumption to this amount, and we have some way of, punishing you, if you don't, then I would probably, I wouldn't look for, like, the loophole in the rule. I'd be like, okay, I get it. We're all gonna do this. I'm on board. But until they do that, then I'm just gonna eat meat.
1: I feel like some European countries have actually done that. I don't know. I'm probably making this up, but I feel like something was passed in France that was to that effect. Like, uh,
0: I will, I, th- I believe that that's also, like, a wartime thing typically. Like, they'll oh, do, yeah. like, meatless right. Mondays and, like, no one mm-hmm. buys meat on, I don't, I don't know. It's, uh, it's, I don't want to speak beyond my knowledge but i think that that's been a thing in the past Maybe. and i don't know i just right. I, I just like eating meat i don't know what to tell you i just you know i just had for lunch
1: what some something meat related just
0: like a piece of cold steak <laughs> It was, like, like, no no sauce, no accoutrement, just, like, plain. I had some leftover steak from last night, and, like, uh, honestly, I didn't even cut it up. I just grabbed you, the steak and ate it with my you hands. You
1: just ate a giant a hunk of meat. I'm sorry, but that's just, like, uh that's just repulsive. Yeah, I know that that repulses
0: <laughs> you, and that's why I'm bringing it up. Um, All right. We have questions from the people. And the first one comes from Nina and is topical. And Nina's in charge, (laughs) so we should take her question. Uh, But it's really just for me. But maybe you have answers. I don't know. Maybe you have questions. I have thoughts. I might have
1: thoughts. She wants to
0: know. So we're speaking on Friday, July 7th. Uh, Tomorrow, Saturday, I will leave for Miami for the All-Star Game, uh, for the baseball All-Star Game. And Nina wants to know what I'm looking forward to at the All-Star Game.
1: Well, Mike Trout isn't there, so Mike Trout is, is
0: not I, so I'm not I don't
1: Is that even worth it for you to go?
0: Um I don't know if he's gonna he's not playing. Okay he's not I playing. am not one hundred percent sure that he won't be there because he okay. is I, I don't think it makes sense for him to be there. Um, because he's in the middle of a rehab assignment, so I assume he's skipping it, but a lot of, sometimes the injured guys will show up and do the media stuff and go on the parade, and, um, I don't know, uh, I guess we'll, we'll find out. Either way, I'm not gonna get to see Mike Trout win, like, his 19th straight All-Star MVP or whatever, um, but it's, so the main thing I'm looking forward to, honestly, is I've never seen the ballpark in Miami. And oh, cool. it's, it's one of only three active parks I haven't been to. Wow. And it looks to me like by far the most interesting of the three active parks I've never been to. And so I'm really excited to see it. I think that, uh, I mean, this is a personal taste thing, but I don't really like the... Uh, I get it how it first happened and it was a cool thing, but since Camden Yards, basically, like every new ballpark, with a couple of exceptions have been these like sort of really retro looking like just stylistically mm-hmm. they've they've gone for like nostalgia right. and the park in Miami looks like one to me that is not that way and is like a very contemporary looking work of architecture and uh, I don't know I'm psyched to see that mmm uh, and, that's pretty and, like, awesome. It's super complicated because, like, the obviously the Miami taxpayers got totally jobbed by Jeffrey Loria, a rich guy who convinced taxpayers to pay for his team to have this billion-dollar stadium or whatever. Like, I get that all. Oh, that's complicated. But just, like, on a, as a fan of sports and buildings in general, I always have a little bit of an eye towards, like, stadium architecture, which is almost an oxymoron because stadiums are so typically, like, are so frequently, I think, what, like, a... Fancy real architect would just like sneeze at and dismiss, um, <laughs> and this one kind of looks cool to me. So I, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to seeing that.
1: I, I will say, I thought your answer would be more like player oriented. Like there might be a player or something. No,
0: I mean the thing is, the I yeah. Sorry, go ahead. It's uh, the All Star Game itself. Like I, I enjoy going, and I enjoy all the events around the All Star Game. Uh, I find the Home Run Derby really fun. I think the Futures mm-hmm. Game, which is a bunch of prospects, is cool. Uh, I think if I were left to my own devices, like if I didn't have a job in sports, I would still watch 162 baseball games a year at least. But I don't know if I would even bother watching the All Star Game because it's like it's a it's meaningless.
1: It it is meaningless. I think that that's kind of the big misconception about All Star Games is that they're well, in my experience, having covered a couple of NBA All Star Games and a couple of NHL All Star Games. Um, especially the NHL ones like they're they're really hit and miss right they can be great if something big happens um, but generally it's just a lot of people rushing around and you don't really get a chance to talk in depth with uh, any of especially any of the stars
0: yeah I mean that's from a coverage standpoint it's there are aspects of it that are cool like a lot of times these the big stars aren't really available in the the clubhouse even if uh, technically, they're supposed to be, and they're just off stretching or doing something cooler or preparing themselves to be awesome at baseball. And you do get, uh, you know, the the hour and 15 minutes of, of access to all these guys. Mm-hmm. But uh, big, it's sort of frustrating, I, I think. And this is cynical, but when you are a little bit like now, I've been I've been credentialed for 10 years, so you get uh, on these big events you have to negotiate a bunch of people who don't really often have access and who come in and sort of muscle you out and ask, like, really dumb questions. Yeah. And not, not like... And I, I appreciate <clears throat> a dumb, funny question. Like, if someone's like, hey, what's your favorite hot dog toppings? Like, great, that's like that's a funny question, but it's just like, how excited are you for the All-Star Game? And <laughs> yeah. like, we're really wasting this time finding out whether or not this guy is excited for the All-Star Game. What do you expect him to say? Like, what do you expect him to say other than like, oh, yeah, man, I'm super excited for the All-Star Game. It's great to be out here, see all these guys, you know, really looking forward to it.
1: There's, I mean, there's always going to be that. Um, in, so I've been to Nashville, uh, LA, and I will say the most annoying question for LA was like, What are you going to do while you're in LA? Like, they expected people to be starch struck or something. I'm like, These guys mm, right. are here for like 17 hours. They're, they're going to be seven, in the arena for 17 hours. The entire time. Yeah, and they're occupied <laughs> yeah.
0: for 16 of them. It's like <laughs> you're going to sleep for that other hour. <laughs>
1: Um, what about Miami, though? Aren't you stoked to see Miami? I
0: am. I, You know, my, I, I have been to Miami a couple of times. I've never really, I've never spent five days there like I'm about mm-hmm. to, so I'm psyched for that. I like exploring new cities. I'm a little concerned about the heat and humidity, uh, as frequently discussed. Oh, that's right. On this Your sweater. Show, I will sweat quite a bit, <laughs> um, and I wonder to the extent to which I'm going to want to explore uh, given those conditions. But I'm also intrigued, so at all of these events, uh, at All-Star Games especially, there are a bunch of sort of, like, ancillary parties and, Mm -hmm. like, club events, and a lot of them are, like, sponsored, like, go to the, um, I don't know, like, the 5-Hour Energy Presents nightclub with DJ thing, Um, and usually I skip that stuff, I'm not, like, a good schmoozer, and I don't know. I'd usually rather like just go off and explore on my own, but I do feel like experiencing Miami uh, is sort of requires doing like the VIP mm-hmm. club night. So I might yeah. I might try to pick out one of these events to actually go to and check out.
1: I, I think it's worth it to go to one of these places and feel completely out of place be like well right. this is not my scene Here whatsoever
0: are a <laughs> bunch of people cooler than me and I'm gonna stand in the corner with the three other schlubby baseball writers
1: <laughs> to uh, be fair the NHL community is so small and you know it doesn't usually attract a lot of star power that those events rarely happen for for NHL side
0: yeah and like and I gotta fi- yeah. find one because like, one of them is like post home run derby uh which and that one sounded kind of cool but the home run derby ends like i'm not gonna get out of there until midnight and i'm not complaining about this it's dope i'm psyched that i get to go see it but am i really gonna want to after like you know spending eight hours working and doing all that stuff am i really gonna want to like go to a party until 3 a.m then like no i'm gonna wanna, yeah. like, find something to eat and then go home and sleep and then exactly and, and do the all-star game stuff the next day so yeah. i gotta find the right one for me
1: Um, Well, I hope you do, and I look forward to you Instagramming not the celebrities that are there, but the food that you're going to eat.
0: I will probably do that. um, (laughs) You don't look forward to that, but thanks for saying you do. Uh, Charles wants to know. This is a good question from Charles, and I feel like we both have takes on this. So Charles, our colleague, wrote this week, um, (coughs) excuse me, based on a... Uh, something Kobe Bryant said. Kobe Bryant said, like, when you get a participation trophy or a fourth-place trophy, you put it up on your wall and you strive to never get that again. And so Charles wrote a defense of participation trophies uh, in which he said they aren't the worst. Are participation trophies the worst?
1: Uh, No, they're not. They're absolutely not. My caveat is uh, that participation trophies, especially for kids of a certain age are great because they underscore what is you know so good about being in organized sports at that young an age, right? It's very rarely about winning and it's about being a good citizen and a good teammate and commitment and showing up and trying your hardest, like all these mm-hmm. good things. So when you get that trophy, that validates all the hard work and all those soft skills that you learn, right? Um, so no, they're not. I think that after a certain age it becomes a little ridiculous, right? I would say the cutoff is probably eight. I don't have kids, but eight seems like about the time where kids can start to detect that this is kind of BS, right? Like they, kids are not stupid. They understood who won and who lost. So giving a participation trophy to maybe a 10 year old or a 12 year old or like in high school is, is meaningless. Um, and es- and especially if you become an upper echelon, like competitive athlete, or you know that you're going in that direction that is when it becomes useless. Um, but no, for kids of a certain age, I think participation trophies are great. They're they're absolutely like validate all the good stuff that those kids learned.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't really have, and like, it's become this whole thing, you know. And and it's such a silly thing to have become such a, yeah. a a big thing to me because, like, I remember you you said eight was the cutoff. I I don't I I think part of it is that. Uh, At least based on, like, my nephews. My nephews Mm -hmm. are playing organized sports at ages when I just never did. Like, we had had little kids soccer from, like, ages, like, five to seven. And then you could start playing little league at, like, eight or nine. But before eight or nine, like, and little kids soccer was basically just, like, daycare where you happen to run around in a soccer uniform. Right, right. Right. Um, And so... I, my, the first time I remember getting a participation trophy was my first year of Little League when I was in third grade. And by that age, I remember getting the trophy and being like, oh, this is dumb. I didn't win anything. Like we weren't, we, we didn't have a good team. I yeah. was the best player on the team. Like, what, what do I want this? Tra-? And like, yeah. what what's the value of the trophy if everybody gets a trophy, right? Like I, by right. that point, And, but part of that is probably me because I am like a pretty competitive guy. And so I want, you know, I want the real trophy. Um uh, I think your point and like this was something uh that I still believe to this day. I was like one of the there were very few times when like my parents I think I hope did a good job of like instilling lessons in me throughout. But there were very few times I can remember like a parent sitting down with me and teaching me a lesson. And one of them was I think it was, like, fifth grade, I was playing Wee football, and for the first time in any sport, uh, we got a new coach, and the new coach was, like, kind of like a, like a red-ass guy. Like, he didn't mm-hmm. take, he was really tough on these fifth graders, and I was a wise-ass, and I got benched. <laughs> And I had never Ooh. been benched before in any sport. Like I was always, I was never a great athlete, but I was always like middle of the pack, good enough to play. And I got, I got benched, and I was like, oh, well, I don't, I don't want to play anymore. Like I, oh. I just want to quit, right? Like, oh, wow. I want to play if I'm. Wow. I wanna, what a
1: wanna... drama queen, Ted. Well, it
0: was just like, why do I want to go to practice three times a week um, if if I'm mm-hmm. not going to play? And right. And uh, I remember my dad. Like I remember exactly where in my house we sat down and talked. And my dad was like, well. Look, you 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 can quit after the season, and you never have to play football again. For all I care, but like, and my dad is like so not like an agro sports dad, you know. Right, so, right. Um, so I guess it's like especially meaningful, or was he was like, but when you make a commitment to a team, you have to see out your commitment. Like that's just how it has to be. The other kids on the even if you don't think they are, even if you you're benched, the other kids on the team uh, are counting on you to be there, and so you need to be there and that's just how it has to be like you can't and it was the only time my parent like it was the only time I wanted to quit a sport I think uh mm-hmm. mid-season and so it was the only time I had to get the lesson but it's still something I believe to this day like if I'm starting something I do want to and, and I'm and it involves other people like I do want to see it through to help the team you know
1: yeah I and I and I think that that's exactly what it it should be, but you were old enough, right? Like you were old enough to, to be like, well, this is the lesson here. And there's a participate in no amount, you know, no amount of trophies are really going to drive that lesson home. Right. Um, no, right. Yeah. There's, you're not, you're not going to stick it out just because you're going to get, uh, you know, a cheap piece of metal at the end or whatever. Right. And Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, my instance Ah. is, oh, wait, the dog's out. Let me go back inside. (laughs) Um, My instance is specifically that uh, we talked to Charles about. um, I've got a five-year-old niece who, weeks after her soccer season ended, wore her medal to show me uh, when we saw each other over Fourth of July weekend. Like, she's still so super proud of it, and she's five years old. So, like, yes, in that case, a participation trophy, participation medal for, like, you showed up and you did – the best you could really in like emphasizes all those values. That's totally fine. I think honestly you have to be a heartless monster to think that kids of a certain age don't deserve that. Like, like that's oh. not that, that to me is just to, you know, life is tough and they're going to figure that out eventually. They, they can, you can give them a medal.
0: And like I said, like, when, when I, you know, when the, by the time you're old enough to realize it, you're like, oh, whatever, this is a dumb thing. Like, okay, they yeah. give, I guess they give everybody a trophy, whatever. Like, well, no, no part of that defined me. Like, oh, well, I am yes. a trophy holder, right? Like, you Right. Yeah. There's so
1: many other things. Again, I am not a parent, but there's so many other things that I think of that have to do with kids feeling entitled that participation trophies aren't really the problem. Right, just, um,
0: just today, like literally yeah. um, an hour before we, we did this show – I passed a woman and her, like, maybe eight-year-old daughter on the street, and I didn't hear what the daughter said, but the woman literally said, this is like a quote, she said, you're the prettiest and smartest girl in the grade, why would anyone hate you? (laughs) <laughs> oh, <Wow. laughs> like, oh, wait, actually, I've got a few ideas, to be honest.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I can pretty much tell you why nobody likes you, kid.
0: <laughs> um, you know, so so like that, like I, I would say like, and that's, that's like a tough balance for parents because you want to have, you, right. you, you want to give your kids confidence. But like I would say like my parents did a pretty good job throughout of like keeping me fairly humble. And it was only uh, yeah. once I was out from under their thumb that I became not at all humble.
1: <laughs> well, I think having a sibling also kind of helps with cutting you. You know what I mean? They will oh, very yeah. happily let you know your place in the universe. Right. Um, just the last thing on participation trophies, what drives me crazy is if you run a 5K or you run marathons or whatever – The thing now is that everybody gets a freaking medal at the end of the race. Like, you run a lousy 5K and so much of your registration fees goes to creating, like, garbage medals that they give you at the end. That's something that you don't need.
0: It's just a (laughs) – yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you're
1: adults, for God's sakes. Like, you definitely don't need that.
0: Yeah, I I don't – I don't know. I don't – I don't like trinkets in general. Like, I don't have any space for, like, collectibles, even if they come with right. memories associated. So I never, like, I, I I always do, or when I'm home for it, I always do the MS bike ride, which is, like, a 30-mile bike mm-hmm. ride. And they give you a medal, and, like, I think the medal's in the garbage by, like, the time, like, before I even get back to my apartment. Like, I just, <laughs> yeah. there's no way I'm going to care about this. Like, I'll remember that I rode 30 miles on my bike. I won't yeah. care one way or the other if I own this medal anymore.
1: The one medal that I have kept is the finisher's medal for uh, the Marine Corps Marathon that I did. Okay, that well, was the one. Well, I was like, eh, I could. That's the one I can understand. But I've gotten medals like people hand out medals at five Ks, and I'm like, it's like a color run, right? You're like 5K that's just ridiculous. Like you, yeah. you can walk that in a given day,
0: right? Yeah. Like that's, yeah. Uh, Yeah, and, yeah, it's just, I don't think, I guess my take on participation trophies in general is, like, I don't see why this became such a big deal. Because any Mm -hmm. kid who is smart enough to be someone you're now criticizing for their behavior Mm -hmm. in some professional way was smart enough to realize that the participation trophy meant nothing.
1: I totally agree with that.
0: Alright, next question comes from... Uh, I think we've had similar questions before, but I want to. Um, it comes from his Twitter handle. His Twitter name is technically Luton Plunder, um, but I know for a fact that his name is Shamik because Shamik has been uh, one of uh, one of the longest running uh, TED readers that I know of. Perhaps, uh, perhaps like the oldest reader. I, not oldest by age, but like the. Uh, reader who goes back <laughs> the longest so running race. i want to hook up i want to go with this question um, <laughs> and i know we've done like a bunch of sports movie questions but i don't know that we've ever named our single favorite sports movies
1: yeah um i yeah so he wants to know what what is your favorite sports movie or sports themed movie right
0: yeah just favorite he says favorite sports or specific sport movie uh, hmm. but i would say just your favorite sports movie and i'm asking this i don't really even have an answer
1: I I have a lot of different answers, but before I commit to one, um, ugh, God, this is this is super tough because I it's no, it has nothing to do with Kevin Costner. It might be I feel like I'm forgetting something, but it might be the rookie. It might be the Dennis Quaid, uh, movie The Rookie, where he's like a high school teacher and then becomes that was you a know, real
0: story. That was a guy, yeah, in the Devil Rays, yeah,
1: yeah. And, and I'm definitely a sucker for uh, the old guy who's finally gets a shot at greatness, right? Like, I'm a huge sucker for movies like that. So the, the one that's coming to mind is The Rookie, um, but I feel like I'm forgetting some really good ones.
0: Um, a movie, and, like, I don't remember enough details of this movie other than that I thought it was dope. There's a cycling movie called Breaking Away that is really, really good. Um, and, like, I, I don't, I watched it probably 15 years ago. It also features Dennis Quaid, so maybe that's a theme for us. <laughs> um, I also think that the original Rocky movie, like, I think that the later, oh, yeah. I think the later Rocky movies are a little bit overrated. Um, I think the, the original Rocky movie was an awesome movie. Um, I never
1: even saw that.
0: <laughs> uh, it's, it's funny because it's, like, and, and, and I guess that our perception of Sylvester Stallone is now wrapped up in all of the things Sylvester Stallone has done since the original Rocky. Mm -hmm. But when the movie came out, because he wrote it, it was, like, considered, like, art. Like, it was, like, mm-hmm. real, a real film. Yeah, like, film, it was supposed
1: to be a real film. You know, yeah. and, like, and yeah. people
0: were like, wow, oh, my God, like, he plays a marble mouth punch-drunk guy so well. And then, as it turned out, that's just who Sylvester Stallone <laughs> that's is, That's who know? he it's is, like, right. It was like, wow, Keanu Reeves really nailed Ted Theodore Logan <laughs> here, you know? Like, I can't believe the range he showed in that part. <laughs> hey, uh,
1: Keanu Reeves is a really good human being, from what I've heard, okay? I believe
0: that. I believe that. He is not a good actor. Um, uh... He's not a good actor. He's great at playing playing like a dumbfounded hot guy, right. right? But everything else, he just plays Keanu Reeves, and, and it's impossible to buy that he's smart.
1: Uh, I've watched a lot of Keanu Reeves movies in my life, let me tell you. Yeah, I
0: believe
1: that. Uh-huh. Um, uh, you know, but just moving outside of the general sports realm, I think like if it's a sports specific, like I would say maybe, and this is basically one of my favorite movies of all time, Blue Crush, because it's all about surfing. Okay. So that might be up there too.
0: Um, I I have not seen that movie, uh, which is really against all odds, considering (laughs) that it came out in like 1998 and it was a bunch of women in bikinis, but I have not seen that movie. Uh, Oh, I will also, I will throw a bone to White Men Can't Jump, a great (laughs) movie. Um, Probably one that like comes up more frequently for me than most others, not just due to my own jumping ability, but uh, especially Rosie Perez studying for Jeopardy was just, like, my favorite <laughs> subplot of any movie ever. Like, like Wait,
1: are... remind, me, remind me what happens in the end, though. Do they get together or they don't? I can't
0: she, remember. She, yeah, they, they do, and she goes on Jeopardy, and all of the ridiculous things she was studying, uh, right. the one I always remember is foods that start with Q. <laughs> Q. And, like, then foods that start with Q is the category on Jeopardy, and she... is. Um, and like because this, so to me that's like a two sport movie because there's basketball and Jeopardy involved mm-hmm. and so that's way up there for me
1: uh, another one for me is Bring It On which a lot of people will argue is not a sports movie but I really think that it is because I, I wrote can. an entire I wrote like an entire paper about how it doesn't fit like the typical genre of like team comedy movies because it's actually a sports movie
0: what, what class was that paper for? <laughs>
1: It is, uh, yeah, I made great financial decisions, and I got a master's in cultural studies, so it was, Uh, like, one of my cultural studies classes. (laughs) uh,
0: We have, I got a master's in arts and humanities, so, and I also wrote, I also wrote papers (laughs) about movies that, like, I wrote, I wrote a final paper in one class about Billy Madison, just because I was such a hardcore (laughs) troll, and, like, everybody else in the class was, like, so deep into, like, serious cinema, so I just, I wrote one about Chappelle's show, I wrote one about Billy Madison, yeah, I was always, that was my, That that is
1: exactly what I did too because I got so and this is why I never went any higher than a master's because academia was such a bummer where everybody was like trying to write about like Italian surrealism through the lens of Marxism or whatever and I was like you know what? I think Bring It On and Clueless are the ones that I'm gonna focus that's
0: on. That's good, though. that's a, But like, that's, there's nothing wrong with that, though. No, are also they, the, it was good. Those are also yeah. the things with, that resonate with the most people. Like, it's like of you watch these art movies, and it's this insular thing. Like, here's a mm-hmm. movie I made for the other, and it doesn't reflect what. Like to me, it's always like, how does this movie reflect what society is about right now and exactly. the cultural themes of our time? Yeah, and like. I don't know that those artsy movies do that, so I I'm totally all about, agree. I, I'm all about, and yeah, I think we can count Bring It On as a sports movie. Um, um, I'm trying to think of others. Like I don't think you would count like On the Waterfront as a sports movie because he was an Xboxer. boxer yeah. So that, that was a, that was a really good movie, and that was a serious art movie, but it was a really good one. Um, I don't know. I'm trying Ooh. to think of like other great ones.
1: That... You know what is? So I feel like I have a real. Uh, I haven't seen a lot of classics, right? Like, I've never seen Chariots of Fire. I've never seen Rocky. I haven't seen any of those. Those all counts as sports movies. Um, One that I think is underrated, and I remember watching it once and really loving it, so hopefully it has not diminished on a second rewatch, but is uh, Invictus, which was like about the South African national team winning, like, the Rugby World Championships after right after apartheid or something like that. I uh, thought that
0: was really good. I have not seen that movie, but I will note the similarities or that there were similarities. Um, there's a movie called Victory, which is a mm. soccer movie that I love. It also features Sylvester Stallone. And, <laughs> and the, soccer, the premise of this movie is they're in a Nazi POW camp, and they have to play against the Nazis in soccer, and if they win, they'll go free. And wow. it so happens that Pele is with them in the Nazi POW camp, which is like <laughs> one, one big step in the right direction. But then at halftime, they have the opportunity to escape, and they don't because they want to <laughs> play the second half of the soccer game. Um, so I like that movie.
1: That sounds like a great movie. Right. Um uh, all right. Well I, I might respond on Twitter with other ones as they come to me. Uh
0: Dennis, our man Dennis has a podcast. Um he this is an old question he asked us that we never took and while looking for good ones I found it. Uh it it is from a couple weeks ago. He said If the aliens, he capitalizes aliens for some reason, as though there's, like, one specific set of aliens that are coming. He says, (laughs) if the aliens come to Earth and we need to play them one song to show them how awesome we are and we mean peace, what song do you play?
1: Oh, God, this is a really hard question.
0: It is a really hard question. Do you,
1: do you have anything that comes to mind?
0: Um, it's a little cheesy, but the first one that comes to mind is the Flaming Lips song, Do You Realize?
1: Oh, um, God, that's a beautiful it's song. It's a beautiful
0: song, and it's, like, gloriously spacey, so, like, it speaks yeah. to the aliens, and, like, to me, that's, like that the, he says like you know they talk about how everyone you love will someday die which is right. obviously a theme for me and like <laughs> that it's just uh, he's dude, the sun doesn't go down it's just an illusion caused by the world spinning around. beautiful sentiment right like that's that's amazing right it's beautiful and and it's a cool song so like that that would that might be my answer like i feel oh. like i feel like there's no way of a foreign species thing from elsewhere you could be like here's this song and they'd be like ah these people need to die
1: yeah i god now you're making me i i feel like you set the bar so high with that choice though because i haven't thought about that song in ages but now but i do love it uh honestly you know what pops into my head which is the polar opposite just because it's such a freaking fun song is Van Halen's Panama because it's just—it's just, it's just, it's just like let's you know I mean? like you are welcome. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's like welcome aliens. It's like let's rock out.
1: Yeah, like, if the aliens are coming, you obviously want to throw just, like, a massive freaking rager.
0: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, like, we're, we're like, aliens are here, let's just, like, throw on the Van Halen, let's show them what we can do. Like, Eddie Van Halen's gonna play, like, a million miles per hour guitar solo. It's gonna be incredibly cheesy.
1: (laughs) The other ones, like, gosh, um... The only other thing I can think of, just because I, my thing is that aliens maybe if they're coming here, they have figured out how to understand English, right? Like they're they're probably figured out a universal translator. they've they got that, here. They got here. We can't get past yeah. the moon. Yeah, we can't get them. Um, uh, I think we might want to go like very literal. Uh, with uh, maybe something by you know Otis Redding or Sam Cooke or something like that.
0: Um, or like. What a wonderful world. Right. Uh, but yeah, I mean it's, oh a God. If, it's a cheesy song. If we do that, no, they, they kind like, feel
1: free to yeah, just to I, mean, us.
0: I kinda like the just like playing like crappy 80s glam metal for them, like, and like like welcome, and like now we're gonna tell you about <laughs> Motley Crue. Um,
1: so like, it could just—I don't know why, <laughs> we're playing but I love Van Halen's "Panama." That to me is a song that you're just like, "Fuck it, man, let's go." Ooh, I said a bad word. Yeah, <laughs> I know.
0: I I just narrowly avoided it in saying crappy, and then you just went and did that. I, I want to say that given my uh my off air language, I would say no. it is against all odds that I curse so infrequently on this show. You
1: you're, you're really a master. Uh, I Fail spectacularly.
0: Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I. I. You know what? I'm gonna adjust my choice and say that it is definitely Van Halen's Panama. I can't. I'm trying to think of something funnier, but no, that would be like literally the fun. Like, and it's like 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 a big presentation. Like the aliens land. They come out, and it's like not really clear that they're coming in peace. And it's like, what are we gonna do here? How do we convince them not to kill us? All right. Like, screw it. Turn on the radio. with Van Halen, and that's it. And then the aliens are like, oh. Oh, this is lame. Oh, like oh, let's just leave them alone. They got, they got Van Halen.
1: There's, there's probably uh, some kind of uh, classical music that we might be better served with, but I don't know. I'd be curious to see what Dennis has to say.
0: Um, yeah, he said that there's only one right answer, and I have to assume he also meant Panama. Yeah. Uh, like, I don't know. It's like, and this is deaf leopards pour
1: some sugar on me.
0: Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know how it plays out. I but I like that question, and I I like your answer way better than mine. Um, right, your
1: one moment of like actual sentiment.
0: Yeah, no, yeah. I was I was being I was being sweet, and then you came in with a way better answer. Um, no, that is absolutely the right answer. I, I defer. You're right. I'm wrong. Uh, Michelle, Michelle Martinelli, our co-worker, um, she didn't really phrase this in the form of a question, but she brought up the point, uh, and maybe this goes back to participation trophies a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in the first couple of rounds of Wimbledon this year, uh, neither of it, you, you don't really follow tennis all that closely.
1: I, I used to, I used to follow it really closely until I started working in sports.
0: Um, okay, uh, interesting. So, I believe it was. Oh yeah, seven players mm-hmm. at Wimbledon so far this year have withdrawn mid-match uh, with injuries in the first round of Wimbledon, uh, including two like relatively big matches. Uh, I think Novak Djok- Djokovic's uh, opponent bailed out in the second set. Uh, it's it's a thing. It's become a thing right. in this and. Uh, Michelle just pointed out that people are really mad about it. And I've I've since looked up and read, and yeah, like people are trying to come up with, like, okay, we need rules. Um, it turns out you get a lot of prize money just for entering Wimbledon. Mm-hmm. And some of these people maybe aren't physically ready or they're injured and they shouldn't be playing tennis. Uh, do you have a take on this? Do you have a take on bailing
1: out mid-match? Well, I, there's definitely a... My think is that unless you like there was a woman who like she like twisted her knee or like or, like basically broke her leg in half. Right. And right. yeah, that to me is a time when now you, you physically can't. Yeah, you physically cannot stand up. Then you're going to bail. Um A lot of these other ones, these guys have just been like, oh, I got a pulled hamstring. So I'm not going to win anyway. So I'm going to bail. And I think that to me is just really, really poor sportsmanship. Right. Like these might be the guys. It kind of reminds me of, you know, a fifth grade Ted Berg who's just like, F it. I'm not going to win anyway. They're not going to let me play. So why am I going to keep doing this? Yeah, so.
0: but that. So, but like, I will also say to my own defense that like <laughs> I go down swinging. Like in, in, right. in that particular case, it was just like I didn't want to go to football practice if I'm not going to play. But like I am, I am never one like that. The big, the thing yeah. that reminds me of was like if you're playing video games as a little kid and someone yeah. was kicking the crap out of you, you'd like throw their – Like some of my friends had were deadly accurate with the Nintendo controller, could nail the power button with the controller. <laughs> oh, right.
1: Wow. If
0: like if you're losing too much just like bam like just throw the controller right at the power button and the game is right. over. Um like even to this day so um I play I, I started playing recently like I have an app on my phone that lets you play chess with random strangers from mm. the internet and mm-hmm. I do it I'm horrible. I'm horrible. I don't mm-hmm. I, like I think that the people I assume that the people who are playing on this chess site are incredible like that mm-hmm. the level of play is just really high because I know like, I'm not like a chess master but I know if I were to play against my friends or my dad or someone I wouldn't get beat this quickly but Mm -hmm. they destroy me. But even when it's... And in chess, it's abundantly clear when you're going to lose, right? Right, right. And even when it's abundantly clear I'm going to lose, I will play it out and I start doing, like, chaos theory moves just to try to mess with the people and, like, get super aggressive and go all over the place. And they beat me anyway, but I will play until they have me in checkmate and I feel like literally every time it looks like I'm going to win, the other person just bails out.
1: Yeah, that's, that's ridiculous. Like, I think that... It is very much um, a disturbing trend. I don't know why it's happened so often this time around. It's um, not
0: a, I want. It's not a new thing. So because like, yeah. if you, I looked it up, and like in two thousand nine, Djokovic bailed in the second set because he said he he had cramps. It was one hundred and five degrees to his credit, but he still bailed in the second set. Cre- in the second set, said he clearly wasn't physically prepared. Mm -hmm. I guess he had a night match two nights earlier. There are examples like it feels like this actually does happen a few times every year. It might be an uptick this year.
1: Right. Seven is a lot. I feel like in tennis, it is actually more culturally acceptable to withdraw because of whatever injury that you might sustain can kind of ruin. Do you know what I mean? Can take a long time to recover from and can ruin a whole bunch of other matches for you down the road right because it's just you if it's a team sport and you've got one player who has to step out the team's probably still going to be fine right with tennis though it all relies on you so you kind of have to weigh your options of like well I could injure myself further now and definitely not win against Djokovic uh, or I could save myself for a tournament three weeks later you know what I mean and stay healthy for that where I might actually have a shot
0: I yeah I would say I think also in tennis Tennis is part of what appeals to me about tennis. And, like, I don't follow it closely, but I do like the sport. But mm-hmm. what I like about the sport is it's, you know, in basketball, if you're down by a certain <clears throat> points at a certain time in the game, the game's over. And you right. got to play it out. But tennis and baseball are the ones with no clocks where technically it's never over, right? Like mm-hmm. you can you can always come back in a tennis match. And right. so I tend to think if you're good enough at tennis to make it to Wimbledon, you're probably extraordinary extraordinarily competitive. And I have to imagine that people bailing out for the most part are bailing out because of actual injuries that will prevent them from continuing to compete. Because if you weren't that badly hurt and you're down one and a half sets... You, you got you, if it's a men's tennis you got maybe up to three and a half more sets to to beat the guy right so if you believe in yourself and you're competitive i, I think unless you're really hurt you want a shot
1: yeah it seems like it would be that way but it, and it, like i said it could be a fluke that there's an uptick this year because this seems like an excessive amount every year yeah there's a couple of people who tap out because of an injury um and you have to be competitive, but I do think there is something a little bit different. But there's all, pride is also a factor, and uh, that's that's not to say that the people who've pulled out haven't had legitimate industry in, injuries. But we're also so used to seeing, <clears throat> especially in hockey, you, you know what I mean? Like these guys are playing with broken bones, yeah. And like,
0: I mean, ripped, you you follow you know, hockey, up yeah. Knees
1: and stuff like this. So. The bar is very, very high for what counts as an injury to withdraw from. Um, and, if, and if their competitive instinct isn't kicking in enough to be like, you know what, this hamstring is really just I'm not my best today. It seems like a lot of people are falling under the thing of I'm not playing my best versus I'm just going to gut it out. And that, and I think audiences are are, are seeing that.
0: Yeah, and and it's impossible to say like, oh, there needs to be a new rule because yeah, in each case I, I you can't, can't distinguish between the actual injuries and the people who right. are just – like mentally weak or whatever yeah. but um, I think I'm with you like I, I don't have any patience for I mean play it out you're, there are fans there to see you you're making a ton of money right take your loss and and bear it right like if you're going to oh, yeah. lose and, um, but it be, you, can't, then, say, you just, can't say that someone's not really hurt you know like it's a, it's a, right. it's a tricky thing where you're like oh, but like what if this guy really is hurt and what if he, if he continues playing and it really does jeopardize his future then you can't say he needs to keep playing
1: I totally, I mean, and I'm of the mindset though, also that you just don't quit and whether this is harmful or not, like even if I'm running and, uh, and I've, and this has happened to be probably more times than it's healthy, but I've had runs where I throw up in the middle of the run, which you see, which would seem like a fairly good, be like, all right, I'm going to tap out at this point, but like I throw up and then I keep running because you got to finish, like get to the end of wherever you're supposed to be. So, it, uh, to, you know what I mean? Like, You've, you've committed to doing this thing, so you better. For I mean, to use a cliche, you better leave it all out on the court. Yeah, I
0: mean, like, yeah. for me, that like speaking of trophies and and points of mm-hmm. pride and things like for me, uh, like I every year in football, like there was at the end of the year, they one of the awards they gave out was the Iron Man Award, like for someone mm-hmm. who, who never missed a game or a practice, and like I, that was. That meant a lot to me. And so, and like, I don't have a lot of like natural physical gifts, but I think pain tolerance is one of them. So it was like, I can, this is something I can actually earn an award. Like I'm as a sophomore, I'm going to, I'm going to earn. And like, I wound up, it was like, it was something I was very proud of. It was like, I was the only guy in my football coach's history who went three years of varsity football without I, – I played every single snap, uh, yep. at, at least on offense. And so it was like I never never missed a play. And that was something – and, like, obviously I was playing through pain a lot of times. Like I had you know, broken fingers and sprained ankles and, and oh. possibly a serious head injury at one point and kept going because, like, I wanted that. It was kind of dumb. And like in retrospect, it's like, why did I care about that much about like a stupid high school football award? But I think that that's part of being an athlete is like you. Yeah, the, the whole point is to push yourself to your physical limits.
1: Exactly. And for me, like, like you said, I'm not going to, I'm never going to win a marathon. I'm never, I'm going to have a hard time winning a community 5k. I am not fast. I have no natural athletic ability. So the but only thing I can ma- do, if
0: you can run a marathon, you have natural athletic, like if you I, finished a marathon, that's more than I would say like 99% of humanity can do. Right. I,
1: I mean, well, I think it's mostly that you just have to be committed. Right. So I, but for me, I know that my strength is like, I can commit and I can finish regardless. So for Wimbledon audiences, like they're smart enough to realize that like, dude, it's not so much that we pay to see you lose, we pay to see you finish and you can't even make it that far. Yeah.
0: I mean if it yeah. was if it was something where no one was watching and it was just like oh, I'm I'm done, I'm toast and I'm not gonna yeah. win then you walk off. But there are people who paid a lot of money to come yeah. watch you play tennis and like you gotta I don't know, you gotta like you gotta kind of Give them a show. You got to <laughs> give them a show because that's what why you get paid ultimately. Exactly. Uh, all right. I think that's we're good. That was that was five questions. <laughs> um, you can check out the For the Wind podcast on iTunes, uh, Stitcher, SoundCloud, all sorts of various places. Uh, thank you for listening, Hemel. Uh, as always, thank you for joining.
1: Thanks for having me, Ted. Peace out.